everybody. Um, so I've been to uh, worship services in French. I've been to worship services in Hausa and in Zarma. Um, but I think this is my first bluegrass one. And it's awesome. I praise God for that. Just, man, it's good. I'm encouraged. I love the banjo. It's good stuff. <laughs> so thank you guys for, uh, for having me here today. Uh, my name is John. I didn't bring my wife with me. Her name's April, and we have a two-year-old Boaz and a two-month-old Andrew. And so uh, we're, in, we're back on furlough. We came back to have our sec- second child, and we're based out of New Jersey. Um, go to the Valley Bible Chapel, which Lori's sister, Debbie, goes to. Um, and yeah, so we came back to have our child, and we're back, and we're up for the CMML conference at Northgate. And thank you guys for um, inviting me. Is there a little feedback? We okay? Okay, good, thanks. Um, yeah, so first I got to apologize for two things. Uh, one, sorry that I'm bad at reading email. So I didn't know that I was coming to speak here um, and then until Debbie was hanging out with Lori, and Debbie sends me a text and says, oh, you're, you're speaking at uh, Lori's church this, on Sunday. I was like, I, I don't think I was. Um, and then I misread my first email from CMML, and so anyway, sorry about that. So yes, I'm speaking here today. And then <laughs> uh, also, sorry, I have to um, run out pretty quick at the end, so I would love to stay and hang out with everybody, um, but it's my uh, father-in-law's like kind of birthday party thing back in Maryland, so I'm going to try to bolt pretty quick out of here and uh, get on the road and get back to, to Maryland. So anyway, thank you guys um, for having me. Um, I'm encouraged to be here. I'm glad to be here. Um, with all of you. Um, yeah, and we're heading back to Niger on Friday, so I'm glad I got to meet you before we head back. Um, but yeah, so before I get into this passage and before you open up your Bibles, I just want to um, kind of give a, a story, right? So imagine if you had a friend who came to you, right? And imagine uh, he's, a, he's a guy and he has a brother and uh, their, uh, their mother died a while ago and their father just died. Um, and they're kind of going through the whole inheritance thing and, and trying to figure out, like, who gets what stuff and anything. And then your friend's telling you, and he says, oh, man, like, and you want to hear what my brother did? He actually, uh, before my father died, he found this, like, really sketchy lawyer. And somehow they, like, they wrote me out of the will. And so, like, my brother is just, like, taking everything. And he has the house and, like, uh, the car, whatever, like, everything is going to him. Like, all the savings account, it's all going to him, and it's, nothing's coming to me. And you hear about that, and imagine if your friend told you that. How, how would you feel? You'd say, I know I would be like, that's really messed up, you know? He's your brother. How could he do something like that, right? Like, you would kind of feel that, um, I don't know, like, righteous anger, you'd want to say. You know, like, man, how could something like this happen, especially in your family? Um, but we know that things like that happen in the world. And just I want to keep that in, in mind as we turn to Luke chapter 12. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to read um, a passage in Luke chapter 12. Um, and so we're going to be looking at today um, Luke, Luke 12, verses 13 to 21. But right now I'm just going to read uh, verses 13 to 15. Someone in the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? 
And he said to him, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And so just um, today I want to talk about, not necessarily a super popular topic, but I want to talk about covetousness and what the Bible has to say about this. So um, hopefully today we'll see what covetousness is, um, and then what does God say about true value, and then what does God say about true investment. Um, so uh, if we look at this situation, right, you have this brother saying, coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, look at what's happening in my family. Look at what my brother's doing. My brother's not splitting the inheritance with me. Um, and so there are biblical laws about inheritance and about how um, property was to be divided in the family. And so if you look in Deuteronomy 21 or, or Numbers 27, uh, the biblical command was that um, the, the stuff would go to, to the children. So it would be divided among the male children. So the, the firstborn male uh, would get a double portion, um, and then the other uh, male children would get a single portion. So imagine if there was three kids, three, uh, three boys, um, the firstborn boy would get two portions of whatever property or, or money that the parents had, and then one portion would go to the second and one to the third also. Um, and so that was kind of the, um, the command. So then for uh, daughters actually married into um, an inheritance from their husband, and if there was no male children, then the daughters would get the inheritance, and if there was no children at all, then the inheritance would go to the brothers um, of that, that husband. And so that was kind of the biblical command, right? And you have this, um, you know, that's in the law of Moses. And then this guy comes to Jesus and says, look at what my brother's doing. He's not doing what's right. Um, he, he's not splitting the inheritance with me. He's breaking God's law, and he's cutting me out of the will, right? And so this guy goes up to Jesus, um, and he says that. And then you look at Jesus' response, and it's interesting. It's really interesting. So Jesus, he says, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Really interesting response from Jesus. Because um, it's interesting because he actually is the judge. Uh, we know that he's coming back and he's going to judge. Um, in, in John chapter 5, verse 22, it says, uh, the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son. And so Christ, he has the authority to judge. But then we also know that when he came to the world, what well, he didn't came, come to judge the world, um, but that, so that the world through him might be saved. Um, so he came to save the world. So Jesus' job on the earth wasn't to solve this guy's problem. Um, so it's almost as if this guy wanted Jesus to be his, like, judge on call, where he said, okay, Jesus, I got a problem. Come fix that problem right now. Um, look at what the problem is. My brother's being messed up, and he's not giving me what I deserve. And Jesus, you need to come and fix that. Um, and then Jesus says, I wasn't here for that. Um, I'm not here to be a judge or an arbitrator over you. An arbitrator is somebody that would solve a, a problem. Um, and so this guy wants Jesus to fix his problem, uh, and Jesus says, well, I'm not really here for that. Um, and then Jesus gives this really interesting secondary response. I want to read that again. Um, <clears throat> verse 15, it says, uh, And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, uh, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Um, so Jesus really, he gets to the root of this guy's problem. And so uh, this guy comes to Jesus and says, man, look at, look at my brother. He is so greedy. 
He is taking everything for himself. Make it right. Fix it. And then Jesus says, beware of all covetousness. So he kind of turns the thing around on the guy and makes him say, oh man, like, what's going on in here? I know that it's really easy for me and probably a lot of us to be in, in, a, in a similar situation. Uh, sometimes it's a whole lot easier to see sin in somebody else uh, and, and ignore the one, uh, ignore the sin in our uh, in ourself. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of the, uh, the plank and the, the speck syndrome, you know, um, like when Jesus says in in Matthew 7, like, why are you looking at the speck in somebody else's eye when there's a log in your eye? Like, Jesus is kind of being funny there, I think. Like, imagine somebody, like, with a log in his eye, like, sticking out and then actually trying to pick out a speck in somebody else's eye. You know, but I think that this is the syndrome that I think we can all um, fall into um, is uh, when, especially when we've been wronged um, by somebody else, it's really easy uh, to see the sin in somebody else, and to ignore uh, the sin that's in our own hearts. Um, so this guy was saying, man, my brother's greedy, and Jesus goes, hey, um, what's in your heart? Beware of all covetousness. Um, it, it's really easy to, um, to, for that to come into our hearts. Um, I, just, I love to think of uh, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, you know that story? Um, so he said, like, uh, what, what, should, what can I do to inherit eternal life? He comes to Jesus, um, and Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. Um, have you kept them? He's like, oh, yeah, I mean, this one, I've kept them all. Um, and then it says that Jesus, he looked at him, and he loved him. And he said, go and sell all you, all you have and give to the poor, um, and make yourself rich in heaven and come and follow me. Uh, and what did that guy do? He went away sad because he had tons of possessions. Um, so Jesus, in loving that guy, um, he pointed him to what he like. He pointed him to his sin. He said, "Oh man, I love you so much that I got to point out like you think you can earn salvation. You can't. And at the same time, you really love stuff, <laughs> and you can't love God and money. So um, I just bring all these things up to say, man, it's it's really easy <clears throat> to fall in the same boat. It's really easy to, um, yeah, to to see sin in other and sin in others and to ignore sin in myself." Um, and I say that uh, knowing that there is a lot of sin in me that I easily overlook, especially when I see uh, sin in other people. So just to talk a little bit about covetousness, I'm sorry this isn't the most popular topic, but uh, I think it is, it's really important. And, and pretty much the goal of this is when we look at covetousness and we see it uh, for what the Bible says that it is, and we see how wicked it is, you know, and we say, oh, man. And then I think, I know I can say, yes. I, I have coveted many things in my life, you know? And I think that when we see that as so wicked, and then when we say, oh, man, Jesus purchased me. Jesus died for me. And, and when, he, when he bought me, when he, when he died for me on the cross, he knew the sins that I would commit, commit in the future, and he paid for that. And there's no return policy with Jesus. Um, so he didn't say, oh, man, like, if you sinned really big, and if, oh, man, I saw that future covetousness that you would have in your heart, I'm not going to die for you. I, I might give you back if you, you mess it up big enough. No, Jesus paid for it all, um, and he paid. And so when we, when we see, like, the wickedness of our sin, uh, we say, man, I'm one of them. Then we can say, man, how awesome is our Savior. Amen? We serve a great Savior. So let's look a little bit about uh, covetousness. Um, so just a definition. Covetousness is a strong desire 
um, to have what belongs to somebody else. It's an internal heart sin. Um, it often acts out in a lot of other things. Uh, covetousness can lead to uh, stealing. Um, it, covetousness is really good friends with greed and envy and jealousy, materialism, selfishness. Um, covetousness is wicked. Um, in, um, it's actually a form of idolatry, too. If you look into uh, uh, Colossians 3, verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Um, so, idolatry, right? Um, putting something in the place of God. Um, trusting in something other than God for security. Um, we can trust in money for security. I've got, I've got money, I'm okay. Um, we can seek something as if we would seek God. Um, seeking money is um, as if we would seek God. We can uh, love something in the place of loving God. Um, we can see something as a solution when only God is a solution. Um, so, Covetousness can turn lots of things into a practical God. Um, so Jesus says you can't love God and mammon, uh, money. So uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5 also connects uh, covetousness with idolatry. And so when we look at this sin of covetousness, this internal sin that is really easy for nobody else to see around me, <laughs> it's really easy for it just to be in here and my neighbor to have no idea that I have these covetous feelings in my heart. Um, why is this so wicked? Um, well, it elevates stuff and therefore devalues God. Um, so in our hearts, we desire that thing, object, relationship, um, more so than we desire God. It also, it focuses on the gifts and not on the giver. It's all about the stuff. Uh, it's not about the God who gives great things, but it's about the stuff that we can get. Um, it's not about God's graciousness or about um, his hand and just blessing us, um, but it's about what I can get from him. Um, so it's interesting. So I'm, I'm in uh, Niger. Well, not right now, but uh, I live in, <laughs> I'm in North New York. So, but in Niger, it's, it's a really poor country. Um, it's like one of the poorest countries in the world. And um, we have a biblical command to like help the poor, and that's beautiful and great. Um, but um, sometimes it's really hard. Um, like in Africa, it's a... It's a very, like, there's not a social security system where we're at. So the pe people aren't relying on the government, per se. It's all, like, interpersonal. And it's all, like, family. And so family gives to family. It's all, you're always given to your family. Uh, that's why a lot of times it's hard for an African um, person to, like, start doing well and, like, saving and getting a house and stuff because they're, they're always having to give what they have to their family, which is really cool in a sense, but it's also really difficult. But sometimes... Um, uh, if you, when you want to give, um, it's hard. And especially being an American there, sometimes it's really hard for me uh, because people look at me and the immediate assumption will be, oh man, like you have a lot of stuff and you probably want to give me a lot of it too. And so sometimes like, I can kind of feel like an ATM where people are like, all right, what's the right button? I got to push um, to get the money to come out, you know? Um, but like, when I feel like a, like a, an ATM and not a person, it kind of hurts me. But I think that we can oftentimes do the same thing, thing to God when we think about his gifts more than his character and, and more than his goodness. And what magical button do I need to push to get what I want? Um, and that can kind of show our, uh, our hearts. 
Um, so covetousness is wicked because it uh, devalues God. It focuses on the gift, not the giver. Um, and it, we're not thankful and content for what we have, um, but we're always wondering about what we don't have. It's the thirst uh, for what I don't have rather than the contentment uh, for what God has graciously given me. <clears throat> so um, we, can be, we can covet all sorts of things. Um, it's kind of this uh, sin that can take over a lot of things. So uh, if you look back in Exodus, in the Ten Commandments, um, it gives a couple examples. Uh, you, does, don't covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, male servant, female servant, ox, donkey, um, or anything that's in your neighbor's. Has anybody ever coveted a donkey before? No? Okay. Actually, in Niger, I'm sure that happens a lot because donkeys are super important for the economy. Now you guys know. And um, there's, there's some kind of oil or something in a donkey that is really useful for um, a Chinese uh, beauty product. And so a lot of Chinese have been trying to export donkeys from West Africa. And because of that, it's caused like a donkey shortage, which is really hard on the West African economy. Um, so they made all these rules about how you can't export donkeys from Niger. Anyway, you can go read about that. Side note. But we can, we can covet anything from donkeys uh, to wives to houses to stuff. Um, we can covet silly things. Um, it's interesting being in, um, in Niger, uh, I could covet luggage space. Does that sound stupid? Yes, it does, you know? But like being in Niger, you know, when you get like American products like Starbucks coffee or like, um, you know, chocolate chips <laughs> or some things that sound kind of like normal, like, oh man, I totally want that. But I mean, it's really not about chocolate chips. That's, but um, there can be a heart feeling that's inside me that says, man, I, I, I really want that, that Starbucks coffee and I really deserve it because I'm over in Niger. That's wicked. <laughs> that is so wicked. We can covet the stupidest of things. Um, so what's Jesus' point in all this? Um, what does he say? He says, beware. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. He makes that command because it's really easy for our hearts to desire things uh, that we shouldn't. And so, did you, were you ever driving on a highway and you see one of those signs that says, beware falling rock zone? Have you ever seen one of those? Like, there's a comedian, Brian Regan, who kind of says, like, like, shouldn't that say road closed? You know, like, if there's actually falling rocks, like, we have a problem, you know? Um, so, like, that kind of seems like a ridiculous beware sign. But when Jesus says beware, it's, it's for real. We need to watch out for covetousness because it so easily entraps our hearts. Um, and so... In order to really make this practical, we, um, I think before we assume um, that we're not covetous, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, show me what am I coveting so that I can give that up to you and repent and thank you for your grace in my life. Um, here's, here's a good test, um, a rejoicing test. Um, oftentimes we see covetousness in our lives when good things happen to other people, right? So... Um, Example in Niger, I had a, a friend who, um, one, of, one of our teammates, they, they built a, a little shack um, like for a place of business for one of our friends. So he could be, a, he was a tailor. And so he had his, like literally probably 
seven foot by seven foot, like tiny little shack, and there was like three guys in there working on their tailor stuff. And my friend wanted to help him out in his business, so they, they, helped, they helped him and they built that for him. But then I had another friend um, that heard about that, and she was really mad. She's like, Where, where's my shack? You know, why, why, didn't, why didn't he build me a shack? And so what was happening is she wasn't thankful that, that somebody was generous to a friend. She was greedy and saying, well, where, where's mine? And I think we, we can easily do that about situations. So if, um, um, if the question is, like, can I rejoice when my friend gets a new house when mine's falling apart? Um, can I rejoice when my friend gets a new car um, when mine has a lot of problems on it? Can I rejoice when um, the Lord blesses a friend with a new baby and we're really struggling? Um, can I rejoice when uh, my friend gets engaged and I'm really just waiting for the Lord to, um, to give me somebody. There's a lot of situations that when we say, man, can I rejoice when God gives a gift to somebody else and not to me? Um, I think when we say, no, I can't, I think we've got to look in our hearts and say, man, okay, I think there's some covetousness in there that I need to give to the Lord and ask him to, um, to change. And again, these are opportunities to repent and opportunities to remember Jesus' goodness and to remember that, man, he died for the most wicked of people, and I'm one of them. And he, there's no return policy. In Niger, if I, um, if I go to a plumbing store and I buy uh, like a fitting and I take it home and it leaks, that's on me. At Home Depot, you can always just take it back. That's great. That's like awesome. But like there's no return policy in Niger. But with Christ, um, he has no return policy either. He, he knew what he purchased when he died for each one of us. And um, we can't jump out of his hands. So covetousness, when we look at it, it's really wicked, but it's also an opportunity to thank Christ for his goodness. Um, that's the first point. And then the second point is um, true value. So I'm going to read verse 15 again. It says, And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Uh, so we can tend to measure people um, and ourself um, by stuff. Uh, we can uh, attend to, to give value based on the number in people's bank account uh, or the stuff that they have. Uh, more money, more important. Less money, less important. Um, this is what was happening in, in the church that James was writing to in James chapter 2 uh, when he said, like, when a really rich person comes in with a nice ring and nice clothes, you say, oh, cool, like, sit here, you know, in the nice place of honor. But when a poor guy comes in, you say, ah, and you can sit in the back, sit by my, where my feet are at. You know, like, so this was happening in the church even in the early days. Um, and it can happen to us, too. Um, it's interesting. Uh, when I was in Niger, uh, there was a guy with a motorcycle, and I saw this sticker that he put on it. And it said, any French speakers there, here? It said, uh, si tu n'as rien, tu n'es rien. Anybody? If you, if you have nothing, you are nothing. I was like, oh, man. It's messed up. If you have nothing, you are nothing. That's that sticker. Somebody thought that that would be a good sticker to make, and then somebody thought that that would be a good sticker to buy and stick on their motorcycle. That's ridiculous. But that's totally basing human worth on stuff. Um, and that's absolutely contrary to what God does. So if you look back into, um, sorry, uh, Genesis, I'm just going to read one verse. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Um, we see that God values human life. That's important to God. So Genesis chapter 6, 
sorry, chapter 9, verse 6. It says, Whoever sheds blood from a man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So you look at the Old Testament, you hear the tooth for tooth, eye for an eye thing, you say, oh man, what's that about? Is that about revenge? No, it's not about revenge, it's about um, God's image and God really caring about human life. Um, And him saying, well, if you kill somebody, that's a big deal for God. Um, And so because they're made in my image, you have to treat people with dignity and with respect. Um, So animals were different. Uh, They weren't made in God's image, but people were made in God's image. And that's why he values um, people. If you look back, um, back into Luke, I'm going to read verse, uh, same chapter, verses 6 and 7. It says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. God values people. God values human life. He cares about us. I'm going to read again in uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 23 and 24. It says, For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither seek nor reap, uh, they neither sow nor reap. Uh, They have neither storehouses nor barns, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? God values people. People are important to God. We are important to God, and that's amazing. Um, we praise him for that. But what uh, covetousness does is it, evaluate, uh, it is uplifts stuff and devalues humans. Um, but, see, uh, but Jesus says that our lives are much more than what we own. Our lives are much more than the number in our bank, bank account, uh, the car that we drive, the house that we live in, uh, the stuff that we have. Um, so God values human life because we're made in his image. God also values his children. Um, 1 John 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called children of God. He's called us his children. He's adopted us into his family. And he loves his kids. He's a good father uh, who cares about his children. Um, so as we think about this, um, the application would be, well, how do we... How do I look at people? Uh, do I have the same value system that God does when I look out and when I see people, when I interact with people daily? Uh, do I think of people highly because they have a lot? Do I think of people lowly because they have a little? Um, do I think of people highly because they're useful to me? Uh, or do I think of people um, as worthy because they're made in God's image? Also, I think we can think about ourselves, too. Um, like, is my self-esteem, is that based on what I own? Um, Do I feel good about myself because of the clothes I have, the the car I drive, my abilities or my accomplishments? Or um, do I remember what scripture says? And do I say, man, um, I know that in myself I'm wicked, um, but I know that I've been paid for by the blood of Christ. Um, I know that I'm forgiven, and the Bible says that I'm redeemed. The Bible says that I'm loved, and the Bible says that I'm adopted, and that's true. And so I guess as we think about true value, we can think about how we value others and also how we value ourselves. Um, and then finally, this last, last point in here I want to get to is true investment. Um, so I'm going to read uh, back to Luke chapter 12. Um, I'm going to read verse 16, uh, 16 to the end of this section. And it says, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. 
man, what a problem. I've got so much stuff, I don't know what to do with it. Huh, what should I do? And we'll see what he does. So, <clears throat> and he said, hmm, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you prepared, whose will they be? So it is, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Um, so it's interesting. I think if we were, if we were to look at um, this rich guy um, through like, the lens of the American dream, we wouldn't say, oh, man, you're a fool. We would say, good job, dude. Like, you did well. You know, your land produced plentifully. You were a good investor, you know? And now you, um, you have it all stored up, and you, you can take it easy, you know? Kick back. Take it easy. I feel like our culture is going to say, that guy's doing what's right. He's doing something good. Um, he's got the Florida beach house. You know, he can kick back and hang out and pick up seashells, you know? Um, but what does Jesus say about this? He says, you fool. Um, we would say, great job. Jesus says, you fool. Um, so let's not adopt the world's way of thinking uh, when we think about our investments and our lives. So uh, what was the problem here? Um, the problem wasn't that he wanted to retire. This wasn't like... Now, this parable isn't saying that you're not allowed to retire, and it's not saying that you're not allowed to have savings accounts. Um, but it is saying, uh, it's talking about what our goal is um, in each walk of life. Um, so this guy's goal was himself. He said, man, it's about uh, my pleasure, uh, my self-satisfaction. Uh, it's about uh, me taking it easy and kicking back. Um, so... He was rich towards self, and he was not rich towards God. Um, his goal was himself, not his creator, um, and Christ calls him a fool. Um, so he didn't understand stewardship. He didn't understand that what he actually had, it wasn't his. Um, it was God's. So you can ask the question, who, uh, who brought the rain on this guy's crops to make them grow? Was it this guy? No, it was God. Um, who, um, who put this man in a position where he would actually have a farm? Well, that was God. It wasn't him. Uh, who gave this guy hands that he could work and feet that he could walk and a mind that he could think? It was God. Um, who gave this guy a huge opportunity for investment? It was God. Who invested wrongly? This guy. Um, so for us, too, uh, everything that we have has been given to us by our creator. Um, we're stewards. We don't really own it, uh, even though we kind of think that we do. Um, so what could this guy have done differently? I guess if we look at him, we say, man, Christ called him a fool. Um, but how could he have not have been a fool? Um, so imagine if he had a different perspective. If he said, wow, man, why did God bless me with so much? I don't deserve this. I deserve hell. <laughs> but God gave me a ton, a ton of stuff instead. Um, so um, he, he could have asked the question, how can I give back to the Lord? Now, how can I bless others? How can I be generous to him as he's been generous to me? Um, so when we think about that, I guess we can totally apply this to our lives, and we ask ourselves, uh, what's the goal in my life? Um, so is my life about me, or is my life about the Lord who saved me? Um, 
and I guess you, you can ask this for, for your retirement. What's the goal in my retirement? Um, is the goal about me, or is the goal about my Savior? Is that an opportunity to serve the Lord? Um, and it's not just about retirement. It's about every walk of life. I think we can ask that if you're, if you're a college student, if you're a high school student, if you're, um, if you're a new parent. I think you can say, man, what's the goal of this opportunity that God has given me? Is this season of my life for me? Or is it for the one who loved me and gave himself up for me? Um, and so we can ask that question, how can I be rich towards God um, in whatever walk of life that he's put me in right now? So it's not just about retirement, it's about every walk of our life. Um, so how can I be rich towards God my, with my finances, with my time, with my friendship? Um, another question we could think about this, we, we sang about uh, Christ coming back, and he's going to come back one day. It might be today. Um, and we can ask the question, if Christ came back tonight, uh, which of my investments would look immediately foolish in his presence? Um, and then when we just, uh, I want to ask this question, how can we be rich towards God? Uh, so this passage is about covetousness. Uh, it's about true value and how God values people. Uh, and it's about true investment, how we can live lives that are meaningful uh, for him. Uh, we can invest in true things. And so, uh, just in closing, I want to read um, something in the end of this chapter. I want to read um, Luke chapter 12, verses 32 to 34, and then I'm going to pray. <clears throat> Verse 32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For, your, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Um, God, we just give you these things. Lord, we ask that you would help us to apply them to our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would reveal to us uh, where we fall short, and we pray that you would help us to just thank you uh, for the, the grace and the gift that you've given us in Christ. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be on our guard against covetousness, Lord. And we pray that you would work in our hearts, Lord, and that we would be a people who are rich towards you. Lord, we just um, pray that you would help us to grow. In Christ's name, amen.